You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. I have something that I want to share with you guys. Uh, for me, it's my heart, and I'm just gonna, just gonna, we're just gonna go from here. You guys ready? Amen. Amen. I want to, I want to share first of all what God has been doing with our interns with power evangelism you know we've been we've been stepping out we've been going to the to the parks we've been praying for people and we've seen uh god bring healing people getting saved so the first week we had 17 healings one salvation second week we had 15 healings the third week we had 23 healings and two rededications the fourth week we had 30 healings and eight salvation and week number five we had 15 healings and two salvations come on today yeah we give God all the glory today is week six interns what are we believing for today a hundred come on why not why not let's believe God for big I'm a, we have a big God all we need is just bring our little faith to a big God and we can have what God says we can have amen and so if you have your Bibles if you have your Bibles can you open your Bible to Mark chapter 16 verse 15 I'm going to just jump right in. Before I, say, before I say anything, I want to tell you guys, this is the last words uh, kind of before Jesus left the earth. You know, before, you, before someone dies, I'm telling you, they have something maybe special to say to their loved ones, to their disciples, to... You, you guys believe that? Yeah. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, now I'm going to read to you from the 21st century translation, okay? So bear with me. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news, which is the gospel, to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Now, then the disciples went back to their churches, sat in the pews, waited for their pastor's leaders to say something awesome so they can post it on Facebook or Instagram. They applied no action. Actually, deep down in their hearts, there was little to no desire to reach the lost. They loved their comfort and were satisfied of just being saved. The Lord couldn't work through them because they didn't step out. Not that they really wanted to in the first place. Busyness and pleasures of life dictated their life direction. Now, I'm not saying this in any shape or form to offend anybody, but I, I, I feel like in my heart that this is a message to the American church. Sad to say this, but this has been reality of many. They feel like this scripture, you know what Jesus said, go into all the world, it doesn't apply to them. They feel like it's only special people that, that need to do this kind of stuff. You know, the ones that were born with the halo, you know, like a pastor preacher evangelist like the average believer they don't believe it applies to them you know but think about it 
If the early disciples did this, the book of Acts would not be called the book of Acts. It would actually be called the book of sitting. And let me tell you, the message of Jesus Christ would never ever reach you and would never ever reach me. But, 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 but I want to tell you, church, the early disciples, they did go. They did preach everywhere. The Lord did work with them, and he confirmed the signs. He confirmed them, the, his word, by the signs that were following. I want you to look, look at all the action words in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 20. All the action words. You can, you can underline them. It says go. It says preach. It says drive out demons. It says speak. It says pick up. It says drink, place their hands. They went out and they preached and the Lord worked. These are all action words. You do not see any of their in the, in the scripture. They were sitting or they didn't do nothing. All of it had to do action. Somebody say action. I like a quote what Bill Johnson, Bill Johnson wrote. Or he said, he says, we owe the world an encounter with God. Come on church. We as, we as believers, we owe the world an encounter with God. We owe them. Because if they don't meet God, we met God. We know, we know God. We owe them. Now, this, this, this brings me to this question, this deep desire, this, this, this passion in my heart. Lord, why are not more of your disciples, your believers, your children, your people, your messengers, your ambassadors not doing what, they, what you called and commanded them to do? Lord, why? Number one, it's because we became comfortable with our own lives. We became comfortable with our own lives. Church, in America... You have houses, friends, families, cars, clothes, jobs, all the necessities of life. Why do you want to go preach when, you, when it's so good for you? It's so good, right? You got, you got friends that, 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 hey, let's go to the movies. Yeah, let's go to the movies. Why, why would you want to put yourself out there to preach something what Jesus said we're, we're, we're in this life. It's so good. We love comfort. We love it when it's comfortable. We love it. We, we, we actually pay a lot of money for comfort. I do it too. I'm guilty of the same thing as you. I have a robot vacuum at home <laughs> that will vacuum my floors because I love that. I mean, who wants to vacuum? In America, we have so many things that comfort has, has taken over. But I felt like, I felt like the Lord like spoke to me. You know, you know what he said? He said, sometimes it takes pain to reach the lost. Sometimes it takes pain to reach the lost. John 3, 16. I, I felt like God was speaking to me. You know, when I gave my, my beloved son, Jesus, it was painful. He had to leave all the beauty of heaven, streets of gold. A place where there's not even a shadow of darkness. To step into a world filled with darkness. To be laughed at, rejected, mocked. 
to be whipped and finally to die on the cross just to reach you and just to reach me. That took a lot of pain. You think God loved it? You think he enjoyed coming here? No, he did it because he loved you and he loved me. That's, the, that's why he did it. Church, comfort has taken more believers out of the will of God than drugs or alcohol. You know, you can, you can talk to the sinner and say, oh, you, you, you druggy, you, you this. But do you know comfort has taken more Christians out than that? It's true. Now, I want to go to the second point is laziness, busyness, and the, and the pleasures of life. Laziness, busyness, and the pleasures of life. Because, because we become lazy or busy, we do not read the Word of God. We do not pray. I, guys, when I talk about read and pray, I'm not talking about reading it, the Word of God for a check mark. Because a check mark only eases your own conscience. I'm talking about reading and praying so you have faith. Because you don't read or you, or let me put it, I don't, because we don't read and we don't pray as we should, we are not filled with faith. And because we are not filled with faith, you're not going to step out on something you do not believe in. You know when, you're, when Jesus said, go and, and, and lay your hands on the sick and preach the gospel? When you're not filled with faith, you're not going to step out and pray for anybody. Because you don't even believe it yourself. I'm not saying this to, to, to bring anybody, but, but I want to zap us to a healthy zap. So that we become the church of Jesus Christ, what he, he has called us to be. You know, the pleasures of life. They dull our spiritual senses if we're not watchful, if we're not careful. Don't get me wrong. I love to have a good time. I love pleasures. They're, they're, they're given to us for a, for a healthy sense to, to rejuvenate us. But, but when we indulge in it day after, week after, and they dull our spiritual senses, and, and we're not sharp. We're not sharp for the, for the Lord, you know? Number three, we become more concerned about ourselves, our image, and reputation. Come on. We live in a world where, it, where it's Facebook, Instagram, media. We post images of ourselves because we're so addicted. We're so addicted for ourselves. And the scarier thing is we want, we want other people to see us like that, you know, And, and that's a scary place because you will not be affected for Jesus Christ if you think about yourself like that. If, if self is on the throne, you will be more concerned how you feel and what people think of you. If Jesus is on your throne, meaning you died to self, it's not about you, you're going to be concerned about what he feels and what he thinks of you. You'll be able to handle rejection after that because, because you're not going to be concerned about what people think about you. Because I believe this is the biggest thing that takes believers out of, out, of, out of doing what God has called them to do because they're concerned. What will people think? What will they, if, if they reject me, if they don't like me? Well, let me tell you, my friend, Jesus Christ wasn't liked in this, in this earth. He was rejected, but he had a mission. 
from God. Because if he didn't die for our sins, we, me and you, we would be lost. But Jesus fulfilled his mission and he's given it to us. The next mission is to reach more people. And so if we're concerned about what people think, you will not be effective in the kingdom of God and you'll be, and, and you'll be taken out. You'll be able to do God's will whether you're recognized where somebody applauds you or somebody won't applaud you because self is not about you. You know, we're addicted. You know, we can evangelize if they put pictures on us on Facebook. Well, what if they don't? Are you still going to go out? Come on. Because let me tell you, we're going to give account of our lives to Jesus Christ, not to the social media or not to anybody else. Self is our ultimate enemy. Somebody say, say self is, is my ultimate enemy. Number four, let's go, let's go, let's keep going. Jesus became familiar, became common. You know, it's a very, very dangerous thing, especially for us people that go to church on a consistent basis. You know, when a person is lost, they know they're lost. But you can come to church, you know. Jesus saved you, 100%. But he, he's becoming so normal. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus loves me. Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. It's great, this and that. I, but do you remember your first fire? Do you remember how, about, how zealous you were for him? Can you remember the time you gave, you gave your life? Your, your life to Christ. Can you remember the time before when, when you felt how lost you felt? Can you remember the time when Jesus Christ saved you and what joy it brought into your heart? Can you remember that time? Because if the fire of the Holy Spirit inside your heart is not burning, you know, how are you going to send that message to, to somebody else? They, they don't want that lukewarm Christianity. They want fire. They want zeal. They want hunger. Be careful, church. Jesus can be so common to you that, you know, you can go to, you can go to people like in the third world countries that don't know anything about Christ and you tell them and they receive it with such joy. It's because they've been lost for so long. But church, we've been lost too one time. Jesus saved us. But let's not forget. Let's not forget. Let's remember. Let's treasure that time because. Amen. Are you guys getting anything out of this? I want to take us to another, to another point is number five. We have lost sight of eternity, church. We have lost sight of eternity. We're so caught up in this world. That it's only this world that we have lost sight of eternity. I have a little testimony video prepared for you that I want you guys to watch. I was convinced that there was no way to live a completely happy life. And if I couldn't live happy, I didn't want to live at all. It began with a divorce, a broken home. 
And I believe that through that, my mentality began to form and began to develop a sense of rejection because I didn't understand. I was a small child and didn't understand adult things. And so I, I felt the breakup was all about me. That sense of rejection just really grew. I began to perceive myself as a burden to other people. And so I would take little bitty comments that were relatively insignificant. I would make it into a really big deal. And those little seeds in my life, I began meditating on over and over. And as I grew, the rejection began to grow. What is wrong with me? And so I believe that the only answer for me was to end my life. I walked um, to my mother's room thinking I don't want anyone to see me because I'm so determined to end my life, to end the void, to end the suffering, to end the loneliness, that nothing was going to stop me. I began crying out and I began screaming out to God, God, forgive me. And the gun went off. My lungs began to fill up with blood. My ears, I began to become deaf, very slowly, faintly become deaf. My eyes became blind. My eyes were open and I became blinded and I knew that death was gripping my soul. And then all of a sudden, I felt myself, my soul leave my body and I instantly began falling and falling. And at that moment, I knew I was no longer in control of my destiny. And I ended up in a place that was complete torment. And my body was burning. I no longer was lonely. I was no longer depressed. I became depression. I became loneliness. I became a tormented being of fear. And as I began looking out and I saw all of these other people and everybody was screaming in pain, the, the mutual thing that everyone shared there was their desire to scream out to everybody on earth, do not come here. Acknowledge that life is about Jesus Christ. Eternity is real, and hell is real, and heaven is real, and how you live your life will determine where you go. And everybody cried out that their loved ones would hear the truth. I saw the hand of God literally come down, and at that moment, I knew that He was coming for me, and His hand picked me up, and instantaneously, I was no longer a being of tormented sin. I now was a being being cleansed, and God took me over the heavens. It was beyond peaceful and gorgeous and magnificent. However, I was not allowed to stay, and I was certainly not allowed to see anything specific, but I was able to feel His presence in His entirety. I was able to feel perfect serenity. I was able to feel joy for the first time, complete, whole joy. And this hand just began to bring me 
back into the universe. And I saw myself coming back to my home and went through the ceiling and the hand just went and placed me gently back into my physical body. And he went up and I opened my eyes and I saw him go up. And instantly I knew at that moment, God loved me. I called out on his name and I asked for him to forgive me and he did. And at that moment I was given a spiritual strength that I had never known. I was given joy that I had never had. I was given peace that I knew would take me through what I was about to face. The bullet had missed my heart um, by less than a fourth of an inch, I mean, just, you know, by millimeters there, and had explained that, you know, the pressure of a 38 caliber gun should have exploded my heart. And they didn't understand that there was nothing wrong with me. They broke a few of my ribs, and that was all. When you leave this earth, you are going to do one or two things. Either you are going to be transformed into a being of sin and torment, or you are going to be transformed into a being of light and love and joy. And it is a personal responsibility who and what you are going to be transformed into. And I had to learn how to take on the responsibility and quit blaming others for my mental and emotional condition. Now I'm full of joy. Now I am full of peace. I am who God says I am. I am loved. I am adopted into the kingdom of Christ. You know, God sees me that I am his child and all that he has is mine. I just have to be able to receive it. And I have to be able to recognize and replace my junk with his greatness. As long as I stand on the promises of God and I allow his presence in my life, I can conquer anything and I can go through my problems with peaceful sleep. I can go with them with joy and strength beyond all comprehension. And I can come out on the other side full of hope and a victory in Christ. Amen. Amen. This is just one of the stories of many stories of people testifying, you know, what they experience, near-death experiences. I've watched, I've watched quite a bit and I tell you, they have a, a common denominator that without Jesus, they have nothing to stand on. So church, I want to tell you, heaven and hell is a real place. We're a, a spirit, soul, and the body. When we die, we don't just die. We will, our bodies just, but our spirit and our soul, we will live forever. And this is true, not just for us that are sitting here in church, but this is true for every single person in the world. I want to read you, I want to, read something to you guys this is from uh 2001 according to the world birth and death estimate rate you know i, I picked this up from online i want to tell you church that there there is four people born every single second and every single second two people are roughly two people die so four people born in every second two people die 250 people born every minute 105 people die every minute. 15,000 per hour are, are, are born. 6,316 die every hour. 360,000 births per day. 151,600 die each day. 131.4 million births per year. 55.3 million die each year. Church, 
People are coming into this world and they're leaving this world. They're coming into this world and they're leaving this world. But if they don't get the message of Jesus Christ, where are they going to spend eternity? Where? Now, can you sense why Jesus told us, go? Can you sense the urgency in his words? He didn't say it just, just for us, for us to, to do something on earth. Because if we needed to do something, we can just go play soccer. We can just uh, go have a picnic. We can just have a good time. But he gave us specific instructions. Because there's people that are coming and going. Coming and going. And eternity is real and it's forever. We were born to live forever. I want to read you guys a parable. This is something that I wrote, but this is, will help you to communicate some truths. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a king. His kingdom had a population of 300,000 people. It was made up of three cities. There was a huge river flowing through it that all the citizens used it to drink. There was, it was the only water source that that kingdom had. The king loved his people greatly. But this king also had an enemy. This enemy to inflict pain on, on, on this king and his kingdom went out and poisoned the great river so that everyone who drinks that water from the river would become infected and would become sick. One by one, all the citizens of the kingdom drank that water from the river and every one of them, from the least to the greatest, got infected and became sick. Some even started to die. The king, because of his love for the people, became so concerned. He loads up all his gold, all his silver on a cart and travels to a faraway country to look for a solution. He finds one, but it's not without a high price. It costs him all his gold and all his silver. He pays for it and brings back an unlimited supply of pills that are, that are able to cure the sickness. Not only to cure it, but they can make this a person better than what they were before so the king so when the king gets got home to his kingdom he found three of his most faith three of his most faithful servants and he gave all of them a command go tell everyone in the kingdom that a cure has been found for their sickness those that will believe you you will give him this pill. It will heal them and they will be saved. Those that don't believe you and reject you, well, with tears in his eyes, well, they will die because there's no other cure. Go quickly. Time is running out. Now the first servant, he himself believes. He takes the pill. He is supernaturally healed. He then runs and tells his family, his friends, his coworkers, people he knows, the one he doesn't know. He doesn't stop sharing the good news because he knows that the time is short, is short and that many lives are at stake. Many come to believe his message and have come to receive the curing pill. pill. Some reject him in his message and do not believe his words. Others laugh at him, ridicule him. But because he knows it's not about him, he pushes through the rejection. And by per persevering, his message reaches many and many get saved. Now the second servant. He also believes the message. He, he takes the pill himself. He's supernaturally cured, healed. He finds his family, tells them the good news. Some of them believe him and some of them don't believe him. He finds out that sharing this message is not as easy as he thought it would be. He goes to his friends and tells them the great news. Some of his, his friends believe him and some of them don't. He, then he thinks to himself, why am I going to waste 
my life trying to tell people this good news when all they do, some of them, what they do is reject me. If they want it, they can just come to me and get it. So he just stops right there. Now the third servant, he believes and takes the pill. He becomes so happy because it cures him and he's not going to die that he starts jumping with joy. But because the pill made him better than what he was previously, he thinks to himself, why don't I just go to school and become something? I want to get married in the future. And by the way, the two other servants the king sent, they're doing such a good job without me. You know what? The king won't even notice. So because, because of his selfishness, he doesn't even bother to, sh to share the message with anybody. Now, what will the king say to his three servants at the end? Do you not know what high price I have paid for this cure? Do you not know that you had an unlimited supply, enough for everyone? But because of your laziness, your comfort, your re rejection and selfishness that stopped some of you, did you not know you could have done so much more? To some, he's going to say, well done. And to the others, I don't, we're just going to have to wait when we get there. You know, Jesus spoke in parables to, to tell spiritual truths in people in, in, in language that we can understand. This is the same. It, 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 there might be little differences, but it's just kind of similar. Jesus Christ came on this earth, paid a high price for all salvation. He did it for every single person here on earth. What do you think he's going to tell us at the end? You think, you think we're going to have enough excuses to tell him why, why we've been sitting and uh, just warming this bench? I'm sorry, church, but Jesus is going to tell us something because he has given us the Holy Spirit. He has given us the Word of God. He has given us the blood of Jesus. He has given us angels. He has given us a community. He has given us everything for life and godliness. He has, what else do we need? You have a house. You have a, you have a car. You have friends. You are so much more than the third world countries. And let me tell you, church, those who are given more will be asked so much more. Do you know how they evangelize in third world countries? Pastor came back from the Philippines. He was amazed in how they evangelize. They're not consumed in this life. Church, we're going to have to tell Jesus something. He paid a high, high price. Do you think he wants anybody to go to hell? Nobody. Nobody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with this. Desire, vision, and goal. Desire is something, is a force that motivates our hearts. Most of the time, we are led by our desires. It dictates the course of our life. When you really, really, really want something, desire. Ask God to give you a desire for souls. Ask him. You know, some of you, you have desires for other things. There's, there's a parable that Jesus said, the pleasures of life choked out the word of God. Those, your desires for other things can choke out, can choke out God's call on your life. Do you really desire souls? You know, there's been many re revivalists that prayed, give me souls or take my life. 
You know, I've heard of people praying that their hearts, when after they died, they looked and their hearts shifted. They had a desire for reals, for souls. They didn't just, you know, vision. When you see it in your heart, especially you doing it, envision yourself. Can we have the worship group come up? Envision yourself saving souls. See yourself. Allow, permit your heart to see what is possible. That's why we, that's why we, we watch testimonies. That's why, that's, that's why even the whole purpose of testimonies in this church is to see what is possible. I want to just weapon your, weapon your appetite. There was a man of God, John G. Lake. God used him mightily. God used him in healing mightily in Africa. After he moved to Africa, he moved to Spokane, which is two hours away. There was a hundred thousand healings documented, recorded. A hundred thousand in the span of five years. It was, it was declared Spokane, Washington, the healthiest city by divine healing. You know what I did, church? I took, I took a hundred thousand divide that in five years that's 53 healings a day 53 healings a day let's let's envision bigger why not we have the holy spirit the bible says if one can take a thousand two can take ten thousand why not why not you know jesus can do something with with somebody that believes him yeah you might not see it but envision yourself that's why, that's why we, we put those videos so it can go into your spirit. So you can, but envision that you doing it. It's great that your neighbor does it, but you do it. And the last one is goals. Set a goal. Practically. Practically. What are, what are the steps you're taking right now to make that vision a reality? You know what I do for, for me? I tell myself once a week if I like it or I don't like it I step out you think I like it every time on on Sundays to go step out I tell you church a lot of times I don't like it but it's not about me do you want to you want me to tell you church when Jesus Christ was dying on the cross do you think he liked it you think he felt like it because a lot of times we choose if we feel like it we will do it. If we don't feel like it, we won't do it. But the message of Jesus Christ cannot be taken by if you're feeling or don't feel it. You have to make a decision within your heart. I will do it if I like it or I don't like it. If I feel it or I don't feel it. If my neighbor goes or he doesn't go. Come on. Come on. There are many ways you can evangelize. Many ways. You don't have to use our my, my personal approach. I use the healing approach, the pain approach. I ask people if they have physical pain, and then I use that to approach to reach their hearts. But you can use the prophetic approach. Jesus used it. The woman at the well, he came to her, he read her mail, told her, she got like, wow. And then he told her, hey, I can give you living water. He offered himself. Prophetic approach. You don't have to use healing approach. You can use prophetic approach. You don't like prophetic approach? Use the, your testimony approach. Your testimony of how you got saved is powerful. 
It's powerful. If you don't want to use your testimony approach, use the good works approach, the good deeds. Go do something. Go, go do something good for somebody. And through that, they can see Jesus. But let me tell you, church, don't go to them and beat them. Beat them with the gospel. They already know that, that they're going to hell. They know that you don't need to tell them that. They need life. They need hope. They need you as a church to pray for them, to lift them up. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.